Welcome to Seishura, uh, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoop Magoop. And uh, it's March. Welcome to March. It is. It's almost uh, National Get Drunk for No Reason Day. And But before that, we are going to talk about... Hey, uh, hey. What was that? that? That's my people's heritage. Don't make fun of that. <laughs> I feel like I have a right to make fun of it, Scott. I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a. I don't know if that's exactly what St. Patrick had, or whoever whoever founded St. Patrick's Day. I don't know if this. I is mean, exactly Irish, right? Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> okay, oh, man. man, we're really falling apart already. Not even a minute in. Um, but speaking of uh, celebrations of uh, venerated things, and and alcohol. <laughs> bands <laughs> music all right segue um, so yeah we, we're doing our uh monthly album anniversary series and uh we have four today that uh i mean i i feel like we've never come across one that we're like we hate this album but we're doing it anyway but there's always time but in any case uh we're just gonna start right off uh so this is uh metallica master of puppets uh, turns 35 this month, which is so fucking weird to think about. Um, and I mean, I guess generally regarded as the band's best album by like a long shot. Um, especially when you think about like, uh, all the stuff that came after it, but nonetheless, we were talking about master of puppets and Scott, I, you know, we don't really talk about Metallica a ton on this podcast. So, you know, I, I think I remember you said a while ago that you just like straight up just bought like all of their discography at one point, or at least at the the listenable discography. Yeah, I. It's funny. Like I think the only real mention of Metallica before today on this podcast is is our hot takes episode where I I said that I think Lulu is overhated. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad we're actually talking about. That. I stand by that still, but that, yeah. that's a conversation for another day or never. Who knows. Um, but one of the first It'll notes, come up. I mean, did, did I, just like our Kanye meter. So, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I, oh, I wish funny. we were a radio show because, like, whenever somebody mentions Kanye, I want someone to press a button and it just says, "Um, or no, I uh, what you gonna do with all that power?" <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> just yeah. I don't know. Um, mm. So you were saying though? <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it just feels like if, if you're. A metal fan they're one of those bands i mean they have a distinct um golden era i mean yeah there's always that that fifth that fifth album you know people dispute whether or not the black album belongs i think it does yeah i haven't bought it just, i haven't bought it just because it's just it's not one of my it just honestly isn't one of my favorites i just feel like a lot of the songs i heard on the radio ad nauseum um and honestly a lot of them are tainted because like my mom really likes them. And they just kind of feel, they feel like mom rock <laughs> to me. Um, but yeah, I obviously, personally, I still think Ride the Lightning is my favorite. I actually wrote down, uh, I would go Ride the Lightning and Justice for All, Master of Puppets, Kill Them All, and then the Black Album. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I looked it up every music. Uh, I Same order except Master of Puppets and Justice for All are switched. Uh, that's only because um, in terms of like the, the peak track or like the most well-known track i prefer one 
Offense Justice for yeah. All. I just like that 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 was one of the first. I think that was the first Metallica song I ever heard. <laughs> Me too. Um, and it's just it's just <laughs> thank, such a, thank you, Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just such a fucking brilliant song. Oh um, yeah, Master Master Puppets obviously. Uh, the track itself is, is such a classic, you know, that opening rift. I will say I do wish it was a little bit shorter. Like, I wish it was, like, one measure or, like, bar or whatever the right musical term is shorter. Um, but the great thing is, other than the title track, I feel like none of the songs, even though there's a number of really, really long compositions on this, none of them feel overly long. Like, th- this both feels like quintessential, you know, heavy metal. Like, when you think of metal, this is what you think of. But there's some pretty pretty well versed well thought out like in the sense of like you think like fucking slayer like like those yeah. kind of guys but then you know you obviously have the orion track which you know I, famous I, to play orion is such an underrated track i i really it wish is, yeah. that like more people like talked about that track actually yeah. can we just talk about it right now because i sure. i just feel like it's such a genius piece of music uh it really is. you know and i think you know, just you know i i mean i don't know if we would even talk about this otherwise but i mean uh, this is Cliff Burton's last album before you know he was killed. So um, it's I don't know. I always I mean Orion's kind of like his send off in a way. Yeah. Uh, it, it always has been for me anyway. I think for a lot of Metallica fans, uh, just because I, I if I remember right, he either wrote it. I, I mean he 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 plays a significant part in that track, but I, I think he has writer credits too. But I'm not totally sure. But just. Oh, such a beautiful track, and just I, like I love the way it just fades in, and just like grows into this thing, and then you know, I then it kind of like, I, you know, it kind of like dives down slightly for like that. I don't even know, but like it's kind of like a a bridge almost. Like it's it's tougher mm-hmm. to make those structural distinctions with an instrumental, um, but just yeah, the, the, there's just a lot of great great performances in that track i mean there's great performances on the whole album but what i've always loved about metallica's instrumentals is how like they've they always kind of like run the gamut of what they can do musically like Mm -hmm. you've got like some really fast you know some really nice solo parts but you also got like just like a lot of soul like like a lot of heart going on like a lot of um genuine passion for what like they're doing um I mean, you know, you, you can hear that in, you know, in my opinion, just every instrumental that they've ever done. Uh, and there's, like, usually always one in every album, now that I think about it. Um, Call the Cthulhu is, you know, uh, a favorite of mine from Ride the Lightning. But anyway, um, yeah, I, it, here's the thing is, with, with, with Master of Puppets, for me, like, I've just listened to this album so many times, you know, just being a metallica fanboy for just the longest fucking time you know uh i i just know this album inside and out so it's it's a little more difficult to talk about because like i there's nothing here that like i really dislike uh but i think i've listened to it so much that i kind of know what to expect so there isn't as much of like a uh you know like a moment that really like sort of like like just startles you almost like Mm -hmm. i think the orion like i think uh sort of that middle section of orion kind of does that to me um damage incorporated actually 
Mm. Uh, I, I think that's just such a great closer. Uh, and, and another track that doesn't get talked about a ton, uh, even though it's like easily one of the most vicious Metallica tracks like just ever made. Like I consider it like up there with like fight fire with fire kind of. Just like it is just like balls to the wall like fuck you basically. Um, I mean I think if I don't like okay I I guess th- this maybe seems counterintuitive because we're celebrating these albums but what's your least favorite track on Master of Puppets? Um, I just <laughs> this might, might sound. Uh ironic i don't know what the right word is but uh i would say master of puppets and i think it really it's i mean again that riff is undeniable but i just think it goes on like a it might be just because of how many times i've heard it but i feel like it just goes on maybe one measure too long like if they just cut off one more master like one more are you talking about at the end or are you talking about the riff itself no like just like the one the one loop of like yeah going through like it feels like um I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because it's a long track as is, and I've just heard that main riff so many times. So the number of times that like the 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 rise and fall of the track is repeated. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's a bit of a dumb critique, honestly. Um, but I, I think my main takeaway actually is is other than that, which is a pretty minor critique, and again, it's probably due to some external factors. Uh, I don't, I really don't think there is a weak track on this. Yeah. I, uh, and, and more, more I, importantly. Uh, you know, as someone who primarily goes to Ride the Lightning, just if for whatever reason that album's really resonated with me, uh, some of the deeper cuts in this I haven't heard for a while. I forgot how great they are. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I wrote down Damage Inc. as well, but also Disposable Heroes is just such a, you know, it felt like some some of the most vicious, thrashiest tracks that, on the, that that's I've actually, heard from Metallica. That's actually, well, I think part of, like, okay, so, so like, the way you talk about Master of Puppets is kind of the way I talk about Disposable Heroes, in a way. Oh, interesting. Um, well, because I, I like the track a lot. Um, it's just, like, the chorus has always kind of, like, I don't know, just never, like, gelled with me hmm. quite well. I think it's it's mostly because, like, I mean, I, I, I see this a lot in thrash metal that, like, you know, the vocalist almost feels, like, um, like <sighs> unnecessary in some cases. And so the performance and sort of the delivery of the lyrics can kind of be a little slapdashed. And so, mm. like, I, I think when it comes to the chorus of Disposable Heroes, it's kind of like, you know, specifically it's uh, Now an Empty Shell. Uh, like, just sort of the way that rhythm kind of works. I don't know. I It just never, like, hits my ear right. Uh, but it is, a gru- it is a great track. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I think maybe the thing that should not be could be the weakest just because it, it it just feels like kind of the most hastily put together almost hmm. um but i mean i, I don't know l- l- like another lovecraft track is is totally fine with me <laughs> yeah. so i guess one thing i i would want to talk over that has always interested me um i, I always think about this when i listen to a metallica album and i wonder if part of it is just due to his public persona um but I know Lars Ulrich, Ulrich, yeah, his his dump, yeah, his dumbing. That that's ironic. His <laughs> drumming sometimes gets dunked on a lot. People say it's not like up to snuff for the genre. I, I guess I've just never really 
heard that. I don't know if it's because of like what happened with Napster or like his public persona. But <laughs> Napster <thought> good. <laughs> also, no, like sorry, was, N- I mean, Napster bad. Money good. <laughs> I mean, I know that it, it's it might seem tough for someone that wealthy to be like, I want more money, but like they weren't wrong. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, like, I, it's, I, it's I, I think. I don't know. I, I feel like the criticism isn't really at that. It's more like at kind of the maybe kind of the anger involved with it. Mm. Um, I don't really know. I, I can't really comment. Um, but I, I do get what you mean with, with his drumming. Like it's, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, see, as... As a high schooler, like, obsessed with Metallica, like, to the point that, like, I would wear my Master of Puppets t-shirt uh, at least once a week, if not more. Um, yeah, I, I still have it, actually. <laughs> uh, but uh, I used to think he was an amazing drummer. I, I, I don't think so as much. Like, I think he's really solid. And I think he's oh, yeah. just, like, super talented. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I guess, be, I, I don't know, like, I guess these albums don't exactly give him a ton of room to really show off in a way. Um, like, it's just... I, I don't know. I, I, I think Dyer's Eve, I think, is probably the closest I've come to, like, to seeing... Like, to really feeling like he's he's really giving it his all. Not, not to say he isn't. It's just... I don't know. It, it just doesn't have the same, like, ferocity that, like, listening to, like, Dave Lombardo... Yeah, you know, I was gonna play. say that. Yeah, uh, which I, I guess is like an easy pot shot to take, but like, I mean, at the same time though, Dave Lombardo and and you know Lars Ulrich are very different musicians. You know, L- Lombardo's interested in all this different stuff. You know, he's played with freaking John Zorn and just like done all this weird stuff. Where whereas like Lars Ulrich is like the son of a tennis player who just like, you know, really likes his fucking metal. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't really fault him for that, but I, I, I get what you mean. I, I always paid more attention to um, to Kirk Hammett. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, like, just, it's oh my god. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say it's just something that I found interesting. I mean, again, I totally agree that I don't think he's, you know, it's not like earth shattering or anything like that. Yeah. But I've seen people say that he's he's overrated or whatever. And like, yeah, I don't, no, I, I, like I don't think he's overrated. Yeah, exactly. No. Like, I, I just I think he does kind of what he needs to do. He's not like a. Um, I, I, I think of someone like Brandon Daler from Mastodon, where, like, as you're listening, you're like, wow, these fucking drums. Yeah. Or, or like, um, Metall- oh, God, I can't remember his name, but um, from Deftones, uh, Abe Cunningham. Yeah. Yeah, Abe Cunningham's fucking amazing, too. But, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like, the, there's nothing... You, you don't really, like... It, it doesn't it doesn't cause you to jump out of your seat, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, you can still be a solid drummer, like, you know? Uh, like it's not it's not about being a flashy you know dick you know like that 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 isn't what makes you know a good instrumentalist it's it's you know being able to take the fundamentals and sort of express yourself through those yeah exactly it's it's kind of like how i mean i think probably a better example is meg white gets a lot of hate yeah i i I don't know i just i feel like her drumming is exactly what the band i mean yeah she could be flashier i guess but i don't i mean it, fit, it fits what the track's trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's it's definitely not like yeah. It it it's not like um. I, I think of the shags actually. Yeah. Uh, like I, it, like she's keeping time. Like you know, it's it's not. Yeah, exactly. It, it could well, be like, a it, lot worse. 
Yeah, like if, if she threw down like some double, you know, some double kick rolls or like threw in some blast beats, he'd be like, "What the fuck?" Probably Jack would be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, well, come on, didn't you know about Meg White's black metal side project? <laughs> well, it was, it, it, it's white metal technically, uh, but yeah, anyway. like he, he's about to, he's about to rip into my doorbell and she just starts like starts blast beating away. <laughs> Oh, okay, man. I I, I um, think we've exhausted uh, this this topic of conversation. Though I will yeah. say that I you know Ride the Lightning has actually gone higher for me in more recent times. Usually this was the pinnacle, uh, and I still think it's great. Uh, but I think maybe I'm I'm just getting old enough to kind of you know be even more of a, a jaded bastard than before. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean for me it's. It's just going to be that tandem of uh, Fire with Fire and For Whom the Bell Tolls, like yeah. that. Uh, I mean, and then, and then like the the rest of the track list. But, Trapped like, Under the, Ice, the, Creeping Death, but I mean, but, Fade to Black. Fade to Black. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but like that opening one-two punch is just, oh, chef's kiss. That's, yeah. That's amazing. Definitely. Uh, okay, um, so let's talk about the next album. Uh, we're talking about uh, Spiderland by Slint that turns 30. So, uh, 1991, uh, which I was looking into this, uh, sort of the making of this album, because I really didn't know anything about Slint mm-hmm. before this. And it, it's, I mean, it, like, it's pretty much exactly like you'd think it, like the, like the album's making would be that like, okay, you've got like this weird, like underground indie rock band, you know, in the middle of like fucking Kentucky, you know, <laughs> just like they just come out with like this this genius work and like during the making of it they're all just you know tense as hell i, I apparently it's an accepted fact or like or kind of like a generally accepted fact that someone in the band uh needed to be hospitalized for psychiatric reasons uh during the making hmm. of this album don't really know much more beyond that but okay Interesting. Yeah, uh, it's just like I don't know. It, even looking at the album cover, th- this is just like the most like underground '90s album like ever. Like it just reminds me of um, our band could be your life, uh, just because mm. like I feel like Michael uh, Azared, I think that's his name, uh, would would definitely put a section for Slint in there. I think if if he was focusing. Uh, you know, further than, you know, kind of the 90s, like, further than the 80s, in a way. Um, yeah. (laughs) But that being said, um, can we talk about, because this is something that really bugs me about this album, is how people consider this to be post-rock, because I don't see that at all. Yeah, it's, it's a big victim of, um, of context. I mean, I think of it somewhat in the same way of, uh, Venom's black metal, you know, it's a huge influence to how black metal evolved. It's not even really close to black mm. metal, um, or, or, or like just like you know early heavy metal, like you know a deep like Deep Purple's a great hard rock yeah, band, and like uh, they kind of laid the way for other bands, but they're not necessarily metal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I I guess what I mean though is like I I don't even get where like someone like Godspeed you know would like sort of take influence like where exactly do you like like i I guess like what do you hear in that that you're like okay i'm gonna make 
this pretentious two CD album <laughs> of just like atmospheric bullshit. Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Don't get me wrong. Lo- like, I think Godspeed's great. So it's just, I, I just don't see the correlation. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, I have this uh, <clears throat> on vinyl, which is the way it's supposed to be listened to. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> we, we were talking about that before because uh, <laughs> apparently all the CD versions of of uh, Spiderland have this label on the back that says this recording is meant to be listened to on vinyl, which um, is just frankly kind of a dick move. But um, yeah, okay, it is indeed. Yeah, um, and it's interesting because I was gonna say as I listen to side B. Um, there, there are a lot of elements because when I first purchased, this is one of my first final purchases in my collection ever. Uh, when I first bought this, I, I expected something very different. I mean, it's, okay, some so, people call, so you bought like blindly. Yeah. I just, I knew it was a really well-respected album. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, some people called this what, well, well, I mean, it's always, always the interesting element of, um, what bands influence, people or what 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 artists influence bands um because like there's a really direct 1v1 sound comparison uh, like obviously a lot of a lot of metal genres you can hear like black sabbath like you can very much hear why an album like master reality influenced doom metal like it, yeah. it's super super obvious um this you know it, yeah exactly um you know it's it's been credited as influencing math rock with you know Post I think post hardcore is probably the easy, you know, the the best See, fit I, or the cleanest I, fit. I think and of then, it as a math rock album, honestly. But it, it I think I was looking because math rock has evolved. You know, it's it's gotten more bright and shimmery and and kind of colorful over time. That's what yeah, I but, was expecting. But, but but you can really hear like kind of like those angular guitars and sort of yeah, you know it, I it, I think I I guess I I just think of it more as math rock than like post hardcore. But I I think that's kind of splitting hairs. In a way, yeah, exactly. But but certainly to your to your point, the biggest influence this has been credited for or credit you know credited to that's a terrible sentence. But um, post rock obviously is, is a huge you know is, is cited, indebted to Spiderland, and you can kind of hear it ish like on side B. There's like slower compositions. You know, there's a little bit more build and whatnot, but not not really. I mean, I think it, it just. Maybe it was the way that they approached different genres. The right people heard it at the right time. Maybe it's just maybe. part of you know part of I, lore that. I, you know, I wonder pe- if it maybe has something to do with the dynamics of the album in a way because you know think about like like Breadcrumb Trail. You know, just kind of starts off really really slow and just light and airy, and then it just like wallops you for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of just plays that game for most of its length. Or, but then you have like Nosferatu Man that follows it up that's like, you know, much more dissonant. I don't know, like, like maybe dynamics play something in there. But I mean, I, this is always a bizarre time in music because like you have all these different styles that are so like, the for some reason they're all called different. Like, like I don't know, like I, I always laugh at people who think Drive Like Yehu like is like an emo band. Uh, yeah, it's just because of the vocals, right? Well, like, I, I don't know. But I, I see it. I wonder if it's more due to like its time in in sort of like you know it's it sort of its place in history as opposed to what it actually sounds like. Uh, oh, but I, I, I could tell. I mean, I've actually never 
heard that, but uh, like I, I can, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just haven't seen that specifically. But I totally think it's because the like the vocals are very nasally, and I could totally see that being considered yeah. emo for whatever reason. I don't know. I, I just think that there's like th- there's a lot more to all these genres than I think people make it out to be, and I feel like it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. It, it just seems like kind of revisionary almost to try to like parse these things out at times like like at times it just seems like i don't know it it seems like the better thing to do is just to put on the fucking album uh which we haven't really talked about is very good uh it's a super interesting album it's not you know it's it's definitely like one of those releases that has just like there was never anything like it before it or after it but even though I think there are a lot of like contenders who have tried after it. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. It, it really, like you said, like it ha- it has elements, you know, post hardcore, math rock, uh, you know, so I guess some some noise rock kind of some noise rock, some light elements of, of post rock. You know, I mean, I guess you know, not all post rock is you know like the the build and fall. That's kind of what it's most known for. I, I mean, it I, just, it I honestly of... can't think of another post rock like album band that that doesn't you know that isn't like explosions in the sky or like godspeed i don't know maybe it's just me yeah i, I mean definitely it uh um i don't i don't know i, I mean I, I i feel like i feel like it, it really does boil down to what what people were listening to at the time i mean i mean if you look at the the trajectory of like post hardcore, for example, like I mean, Dance Gavin Dance is technically post hardcore. They don't sound any, sound anything like Fugazi. And I think that's just kind of like you know the rich tapestry of of music and genres, just how mm-hmm. much stuff can change. But no matter how much has has changed, kind of like you mentioned, um, man, they really did. They really did change, or they uh, they really did um, set themselves up in, in such an interesting way on this album. Like I, I feel like. It, it, and then they just freaking disbanded. <laughs> yeah, and it, uh, unfortunately, um, and I guess by that I meant that was that was weird phrasing. They they just totally pulled together. Uh, excuse my dog. Uh, they just you, you pulled, know what she kind of uh, Basil kind of reminds me of. Um, do you remember the dog at the beginning of uh, Sure Shot by the Beastie Boys? That it, yeah, it goes. It goes <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean they they just. The, the sounds they pulled together and the structure of this album is just really interesting. It, like, it makes sense in its own little worlds and dynamics, but it is such an, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just weird. Like you said, like a lot of angular riffing, you know, it's, it's slow. It, it doesn't, it doesn't build and fall. Again, this is all like somewhat around the same time of, um, you, you know, like, I guess early, uh, early fugazi am i getting the years right you know like, like 91 so fugazi was already a thing uh yeah so like mid mid to late like career well it probably in the earlier part of their careers because they you know they, they they were went through the argument in in 01 um so 13 songs came out in 89 um so that's just kind of just to to kind of reference that but um repeater is 1990 so you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I I guess maybe we're looking at this. I mean, I'm looking at this a little too obliquely. Uh, you know, or uh, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe if we look at it 
in terms of like post as in like it is doing something that rock that hasn't really been done in rock in a big way uh which i mean if if you use that as your definition of post rock i feel like the 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 definition changes a little bit like the whole the band list almost Changes I mean, be- I mean, post rock is one of those. It's kind of like alternative rock, where it's yeah, like, it's, I mean, alternative it's not rock, really a term. Yeah, like post, you know, it's <laughs> like yeah, it goes like, beyond like, rock. Okay, so w- when people talk about like the foundations of post rock, like it's this album and it's like the last two Talk Talk albums, or I, yeah, was it the last two or was it? It was just Spirit of Eden and um, what was the other one? Yeah, it was the last two. I think it might have been one of their EP, one of the, the last two releases. Yeah. Um. um so like in what what I would argue that like both like all those albums have in common is that like kind of this I guess atmospheric type of sensibility to it. Uh, but that's the thing is like it's much much more apparent with Talk Talk. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and I I wonder if it. Um, I mean, there are other like I, I feel like Tortoise doesn't necessarily neatly fit into like the post rock mold. I mean, um, there Tortoise doesn't bands. fit into anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel like that's the interesting thing about post-rock, is you have bands that, like, basically fit that, you know, rise-build, rise-build formula to a T, um, and then you have other bands that are just kind of like, I don't know, I guess you're post-rock. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, guess we'll just, I guess we'll just lump you in here. Um, but I, I think this is, is, of the albums in my collection, this is the one I'm most glad I stuck with, because, again... When I bought this, I had a very different conception of what math, math rock, yeah. post rock, and post hardcore is. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of was grandfathered into Fugazi just because of how much I liked Minor Threat. Well, but for the most part, this this didn't fit. You know, I was thinking math rock like, um, I don't, I don't know, I can't think of a. What, what was um, but like, how long did it take you to get into this? Was this like kind of immediate, like upon putting it on, or? No, I. I I had to listen to this. I mean, I, I obviously listened to it a few times when I first bought it because I, you know, I, um, I, you know, wanted to, I, I just bought it. So, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't want to, um, you, yeah, you, know, you didn't want to just stick it on the shelf and forget about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time, it just didn't, it didn't have the pop. Like, you know, when I, when I thought math rock, I thought, you know, again, like the bright shimmery, um, you know, yeah. kind of, kind of like Dance Gavin Dance. You know, Dance Gavin Dance is like the perfect example of like what I was listening to at the time and what I expected. I expected these like big melodies, big you know, big choruses, whatever. And obviously, that is quite the opposite. Um, but I think it's just it's a very, it's just a very you know pensive, interesting, engaging album. It, it's yeah. it's really. Um, I, I I personally struggled listening to this thing for a long time. Like I don't think I ever made it past the first track for a long time, but the last couple of years I just really started coming around to it. Uh, but that being said, I mean I I think it's a really great album. It's something that like I really I I probably should have listened to this a few more times than I did. Like I listened to it twice. Um, I probably would have listened to it like at least two more times, if not more, because like I I don't know. Just this album like occupies such a strange space in my brain, like. Like it's like I, when I'm listening to it, I'm I'm very into it, but I can't really remember much after it. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a really good way to put it. Honestly, is that it, it's such a, yeah, it's such an in the moment record. Yeah, it's, it's such a unique, 
experience where it's it's very all it's very all encompassing like i uh i actually do think this sounds really good on on vinyl you know i haven't heard it on cd but i'm just saying there are some albums where i don't think having it on vinyl really adds anything uh, this is definitely not one of those cases i feel like it yeah. just, it, it, it it sounds very interesting it fills the space really well um and it's it's it almost helped helps me get into it. It's just kind of ironic. I bought it just because it was it was an album that I thought I should have in my collection based on its reputation and, and different genres I liked. But also, I it was you know pretty affordable just practically. Um, but having two sides, you know, it's a single LP. Uh, being able to listen to it again and again and just really dive in, you know, dive in one side at a time, you know. Um, not really, not really fully feeling like I fully appreciated it, and then just replaying the first side once it stopped. Um, and it, it's worth the, you know, some albums you feel you you worry that you kind of get you kind of get like Stockholm syndrome, like you're mm. just you like you keep listening because like God damn it, you know, one of these times I'll like it. But this one, I I'm really glad it, you know it clicked when it did, uh, and I, I think it it actually helped to listen to uh, Yank Crime first. I, I think yeah. if I'm getting my timeline right, you know, just because Yank Crime is, a, you know, is a, in an adjacent sphere and... and I, I feel like it came out afterwards, uh, but yeah, yeah 1994, I just, I just, but... Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I bought it, I think I, I bought a really cool colored pressing after the fact, um, and just getting more engrossed in other post-hardcore acts. I think I also got into Big Black, you know, just like other other artists, like, in that general 90s sphere of... Like yeah. no, you know, doing no some different shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, really, really helps me dive in. Yeah. I mean, so we're out of time here, but uh, any any final words? Um. No, I just again, like like I said, I I think this warrants its reputation, and I think it's really worth getting into. It's an it's a really unique record. It doesn't really sound like a lot of the genres it gets lumped into, but it's it's mm. very much worth the. It's it's worth it's worth the extra effort. Definitely, definitely. Uh, though I, I I feel like anybody who listened to this podcast has probably already listened to it. But anyway, yeah, I, uh, that, so I agree. Next one, I am probably most excited to talk about this album, uh, "Discovery" by Daft Punk. That turns twenty in February. But um, you know, let's not forget. It, like, let, actually, let's, let's not think about that. Actually, so. I saw that it was released internationally in March. Oh, so, okay. So well, we're, there we go. We're good. We we're live good. internationally compared right. to France. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so this is oh my god. There's so much to talk about here because I mean, Daft Punk recently broke up, uh, you know, and the legacy they leave behind is something that like people are really talking about right now. Um, and I I don't know I like here's the thing is I was like obsessed with this album for for a good while. Um, but man, like, and I think, I think it's a good album and I really regret selling my copy of it, but like, I do not think this is a perfect album by any means. Oh, no, like, not at all. No, yeah. I mean, I love, I love this album. I love that punk, but they, I don't think they've put out a perfect album in their career. Honestly. Yeah. As much as I like I mean, them. They, I, I th- this is probably the closest that they've come though. Like, I, yeah. I still think this is probably their best album, even though I, and, I I've never listened to Random Access Memories though, so it's or, it's it is some really really good songs. It has some some of the best songs they were written, and then uh, some some clunkers. And mm. it def- definitely uh, some sometimes they got they get a little too infatuated with the the whole nostalgia trip. 
Um, yeah, but, I mean, which, I mean, which arguably kind of started with this album in a way. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of uh, speaking of nostalgia, uh, one I mean, like, more time. I know. I mean, it's hard to they. I would love to like read or, like a, a deep dive into like that era because I, I I just remember one more time being in some ways shepherding in like the crossover appeal of, of EDM and like dance music house music into like pop. like that was you didn't hear songs like that on just like me that was just on the radio obviously yeah. like a, like a, a radio edit of it but it was so weird to hear like just a bona fide house track on like kiss 108 like on the local pop pop station yeah um, you got a point there but i mean i i i guess i can't really comment because i mean my, my knowledge of like house music and like edm is is very very low like i really don't know a ton about it except that like i don't know like you you, you got to take some molly at some point depending on what you're listening to depending if you're going yeah. out dancing yeah. uh but which basically means that I know nothing about anything here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like, great opener. I mean, you really, like, I, I feel like there are a few albums that open as well as, as Discovery, honestly. Uh, I mean, th- that's just such a great song. Uh, but there's some great tracks littered, like, throughout this album. I mean, Aerodynamic is, is really good. Uh, my personal favorite is probably, you know, uh, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Um, but th- here's the thing, and this is kind of the thing that always bugs me about this album, is that, like, there are a few tracks in here that are that feel unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are even more that I feel like go on longer than they need to. And, I, I mean, I think the easy one to take a pot shot at is the, you know, ironically titled Too Long but even that i don't think is is as you know bad of uh, is as like um deserving of this criticism strangely enough even though it's the longest track on here by like a good 5 minutes <laughs> yeah and i don't i don't think actually i think if they took the vocals to me are pretty weak you know i, I kind of wish they took cuz there's actually an underlying vocal sample that they use like as you know as part of the beat I wish yeah. they kind of left it like that. And I agree, it's not my favorite. Uh, actually, I think the finale to Random Access Memories is one of the best songs they've ever written, which is funny because it ended up being, at least for now. Although yeah. I kind of be- I kind of believe that they're broken up. I don't know, just because... I, I, I never believe it anymore. I yeah, never I mean, I, 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 I could totally see that, but it, it just, to me, it feels like they, they took a break for such a long... Like, they were, didn't do all that much for several years, and then they... Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that was pretty much like the last decade. They really haven't like done a ton. Yeah. So exactly. I mean, they they worked with the uh, weekend. That was it, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, um, but like, but yeah, I, I mean, th- there are definitely some some like like superheroes and uh, high life are like probably my least favorite tracks on this thing. Like by oh, a very I love large superheroes, margin. honestly. What? Which one? I I love superheroes. Yeah. I mean, I, superheroes is is probably the better of the two. High life is just. It, it, it is literally the same little snippet repeated ad nauseum. And I, I, I guess this is probably like something I kind of wanted to talk about. I don't know how much time we're actually going to have talking about this exact thing. But like, I, I, I guess it's kind of like a, you, you have to wonder where like where the dance music ends and like where Daft Punk begins almost in a way. Because like, I think of dance music as like, 
it is music you dance to. Like, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily meant to, like, oh, you pick up a CD and you put it on in your home while smoking a pipe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's not, it's it's not like, I, I feel like it has uh, more of a utilitarian purpose, I guess. Uh, and that isn't to say that Daft Punk is a house band, because I feel like they're much more than that. But, like, when it comes to, like, homework and when it comes to, like, tracks like High Life, it's just, like... it's this type of um you know strangeness kind of like the paradox of this kind of like slaps me in the face because it's like you're like this was like i don't know i feel like after this they were almost like more of a pop band than they were a house band in my opinion yeah Uh, i mean and and so it's it's just like i i guess maybe it's, it's going backwards and looking at this from this point in time uh, and like listening to something like High Life and being like, how did this album be this successful? Almost. Actually, I, I feel that way. Um, like if I'm getting what you're saying, I feel that way about homework. You know, a lot of people yeah. rave about homework. Uh, I, I thought that that Dude, had, homework is so repetitive at times. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say like homework is incredibly repetitive. I felt like with this, they they kind of became a little bit more of a pop band. Kind of became you know, kind of a, a proto new disco. Like yeah, they, they, the whole you know obviously this, this they, a lot they of, really like like they really reinvented themselves here. Yeah, uh, and, in a and big there's way. so many you know whether you look at you know Balearic Beat or House or New Disc like a lot of the the more um, retro you know kind of nostalgia laden dance music of modern times. It, it's listening to this you know 20 years later, it is so indebted to this you know like this album there's so many things yeah. you hear like you know bass lines you know specific samples or whatever or like the way that you know um songs rise and fall and it's like holy shit this is <laughs> this was exceptionally yeah. influential um, yeah did, like um so but here's also something i want to talk about have you watched interstellar 5555 uh, i've watched the uh, accompanying video for one more time i haven't watched the full okay. the full thing though because i i uh, i actually like i've watched up until um i think uh Crescendals. No, no no night vision actually uh so so about halfway through the movie um uh, i actually watched the whole thing yesterday uh just for the fuck of it mm. and uh it is i i recommend anybody who is a fan of daft punk and discovery to go and watch this Cause does it does it work really well? Like is it? Um, yes and no. So there are some times where it, it like it uh, like, well, I mean the thing is like it was animated after the album was made. Like it, like the two weren't made jointly, so mm-hmm. I feel like the animators got a little bit um you know of an edge you know and they were able to really make it so certain events lined up with the sound. Yeah. Um, but that being said, there are like some I don't know like. I, I think, I mean, it, so for those who don't know, like, the, basically the whole the whole plot of this thing is that, like, there's this alien rock band that gets kidnapped by this human and uh, basically brainwashed and turned into, like, rock stars in, on Earth. Uh, <laughs> that's basically the plot of this thing. It's, it's just the best way I can put it because it gets so bizarre because, like... It, it, okay, like that on its own is just a solid plot, but like then you end up getting into like this weird occult stuff, 
<laughs> into it too and then just like the final like uh like face to face in like too long like those sections are like just so bizarre in like them trying to get back home and like i i don't want to spoil it even though it's not really much of a spoiler but it, it's just <laughs> it's so fucking bizarre and all the way through it i'm like this plot makes no sense at all i was gonna say it sounds bizarre slash yeah. interesting well because like you know you would think okay so a, a guy you know if, if a guy can you know if a guy has the money and technology to take a band from another place in the galaxy and kidnap them brainwash them and have the technology to be able to do all of that you know it seems like you don't really need the money right and so like it, it isn't really about the money but it it also just I don't know. It, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, that being said, though, like by the end of this thing, I I really enjoyed it. Like I really loved it. Like it was so much fun to watch. Uh, it, like there's just I, I think part of it is sort of the animation that they they had toy animation, and I think they mm-hmm. had um uh pa pa I can't remember the name. Oh, Leiji uh, Matsumoto. Uh, who's uh, a well-known uh, mangaka and like animator um, mm-hmm. work on it as well and so you know it has like this real like each all the characters kind of like have like their own little look to them and like like I don't know the, 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 there's just a lot to love about it despite its flaws and I, I think that's indicative of the entire album like not even just the movie because it's just like you know d- despite the fact that like high life is just I, I, I just don't like that track, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. the rest of the album more than makes up for it, you know, because it's just like, there are a lot of parts that are just fun. Like, it's just fun and happy. And then they're like, you know, there's a track like Night Vision where it's like, things take a little, like a little deep dive into like some darkness very, very quickly. And then like, kind mm-hmm. of back out again. And, you know, I don't know, just, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I think it's just a great album. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the, the run from One More Time to Superheroes for me is like one, one of one of my favorite stretches on any dance album ever. Honestly, I, I love, especially from One More Time through um, Harder, Harder Better, Faster, Stronger, yeah. and like a Digital Love is is one of my favorites. Like it just it's such a such a great stretch. Why don't uh, you play the game? <laughs> like I, just, I love that song so much. Uh, they just it's just it's such fun. Um, you know, like just such a great summary album i'm really yeah. glad uh, i i don't think i ever owned it and i just i was always on the fence because it, it is i think it's a good album i don't think it's a great album only because it falls into the into the, the it falls into the pitfalls that's nice talking um, it, fall, <laughs> it, it, it falls into the pitfalls of a lot of dance albums is that kind of to your point is it really like when a dance track just has that perfect groove when it has um the like the hook like one more time like one more time is incredibly repetitive but like that hook is amazing like yeah. it's, it's such a, it's one of the best dance hooks ever honestly um, but in the midsection a lot of those tracks don't have the best I mean like they're not terrible but they just they're not as strong so yeah I mean it, it I, just... I, I feel like they, they work differently though like they aren't like meant to be like full on like it, like if we're talking about like you know like voyager or like you know uh something about us 
You know, like I feel like those tracks are doing something a little different than just like being like a house banger, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I get what you mean. Like it's, it's definitely not a perfect album. But I feel like, I don't know. I, I think it deserves its place in in you know the music pantheon, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I, you know, I it's like the positives far outweigh the negatives here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's ultimately why it's it's. Uh, it's funny because I always I always bring up the the Pitchfork review like when they first reviewed it they called it like a Frankenstein monster or, or something to that effect um, yeah and then it ultimately was the th- the third highest ranked album of the decade um, <laughs> yeah but you know we got gotta love them apples uh, yeah all right but I think, so I think it's just it's just because you know again this has such cross you know crossover appeal and became really influential to the dance music that followed um, mm, definitely yeah. all right so. Uh, we're running a little shorter on time, so we're just going to go straight into our final album today. Which is, that uh, is quite different. Yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of the complete opposite. But funny <laughs> enough, actually the same edge, released in the same month of the same year, uh, Blackwater Park by Opeth, uh, which in the past we have not talked positively about Opeth. Uh, we did an episode, I think, entirely devoted to listening to their recent like string of like prog rock inspired albums uh which was not a positive experience at all um i i'm really glad i don't have to listen to a number of those albums ever again frankly um but we are going to talk positively because this is a great album um yeah when we were deciding what albums to talk about i really wanted to talk about i mean not only just because i love it but um it just stinks yeah that we've we've only ever talked negatively i mean that, that was yeah. one of my my favorite episodes we've done just because uh, i always like you know i talk abstractly not maybe that's not the right way to put it but like when i talk about my perception like what i thought like new opeth sounded like versus you know what it what they actually did unfortunately what i kind of assumed new opeth sounded like before listening to the albums in full turned out to be pretty much true and it wasn't super positive but <laughs> at the very least now that i've heard it um, and actually, listening to Blackwater Blackwater Park, um, I just don't get it. Like, I don't. How can anyone listen to? <laughs> I these, Scott, we're, these... we're, we're not we're not talking about the we're, we're not we're not we're not being negative about Opeth today. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll be a little negative just because you listen to this album and then like you think back to when we listened to the 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 new trio or or quad tetralogy, I guess. Like, not only how I mean, I don't think people really think that those albums are better but like for the band how are those more fun to make like this is just some of the most dynamic death metal metal progressive metal like it's just it's so well written yeah it's just it, like all it's, the it, elements it's so it's so opeth like yeah that, that's, that's what i love about it it's just like the you know like i think you listen to like a morbid angel and it's like like great band they made a bunch of great albums but like that is very death metal whereas like opeth just like they do their own thing and it just works really well. Like they, it, it's not like oh, they pull from here or pull from here. It's like they're able to so seamlessly blend all of this stuff together. It is just fucking genius. Um, yeah, and it's it's crazy because you know a lot of times you know we do like progressive death metal or whatever. Like they'll just throw in throw in a melodic part, throw in some like every element here. It it could either feel just like a, like a token acoustic passage or like just hand fist it in it works so well yeah and it's just it's it's crazy the first time i heard this i mean again i, I hadn't 
dove into metal as you know like i i was still in my core phase when i first heard this <laughs> uh, i was just i was really drawn into i mean i love the album art for this i love the lore yeah uh, uh thanks to travis that. smith for the artwork yeah. he, he did yeah. a number of opeth's albums and i think he, he's just one of the best album designers i think we yeah. have right now um uh, and speaking of of one two punches or like or you know really strong openings just the opening opening riff to leper affinity one of my favorite metal moments ever and then um that that bridge leading into the chorus um on oh my god it are you talking about harvest yes this oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about how much i love it i just totally forgot the name um, i'm so bad with names but like well, when I, i'm glad we're talking about harvest so, yeah, yeah, when the bridge leads into the chorus and devious movements in your eye, like just that whole. Which for the oh, longest wait, time, I, I, I isn't that bleak? Yeah, but yeah, I think it is bleak. Yeah. bleak. I, um, Harvest but, is is the acoustic one that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, it, it, which, yeah. I oh my god, like when Ackerfeld starts singing in Harvest, that like gives me chills. Like I love that melody that he sings. It, it is just so well done, uh, and even like. I think it's funeral portrait, like where he has like that. It's like this really, really like skeletal, inst- like acoustic passage. It's so fucking beautiful, and it's like I-, I love the contrast between that and like the leper affinity, you know, of just like, you know, full like Agrafel growling at like his best, and then like just like really, really down low and just intimate, and like he's just like up there, like kind of like whispering in your ear almost. You know, like, yeah, I, and they do it so well, like just how they're able to just move through all this. It, but, it's fantastic. And the thing is, is and again, it's it's hard to, for me at least, it's hard to talk of given how much of their career is now taken up by the kind of the, just their prog rock, their dad prog phase, I guess. <laughs> um, but I think when people say, oh, like you just missed the, like even Ackerfeld said, I missed the growls. Um, and it's not, it's not just that. It's the interplay, the dynamic between. I mean, his growls are amazing. Yeah, his singing is amazing. He, he's he's just, like low key one of the most underrated vocalists, like in yeah. metal. Again, it's it's not just oh he's not growling anymore. It's just like the way that, and again, it speaks to the music too. The way that the the soft and the heavy moments weave just perfectly. Again, it just it feels like it shouldn't transition as well yeah. as it could. I mean, other prog metal bands, it's just it's kind of it's it's a lot more blunt like just yeah. like okay now we're doing a melodic part okay now we're doing an acoustic part but then it's just it's effortless yeah it's, so know, it's like, yeah i i want to because i have one negative thing to say and i don't really know if it's a negative thing uh but i like and i, I think you know where i'm probably going with this is that like i this thing suffers from what i like to call uh, a love supreme syndrome uh in that it is a fantastic album but i think its status as such has kind of outshined the rest of their discography. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes that's a good thing, you know, <laughs> with some of those albums. But, you know, I'm specifically talking about, like, uh, the album previous to this, Still Life, which was actually the album that got me into Opeth, uh, because I couldn't get into this for a long time. Uh, Still Life was kind of that, like, you know, uh, starter for me. But Still Life, uh, Ghost Reveries, Watershed, like, those are all really, really solid Opeth albums that I think deserve a lot more attention than they do right now. I'm not saying that they're to the level of Blackwater Park, but I feel like they come really close. No, and I think there's actually another album that, um, I don't know if it directly 
and it, again, it might be more of a, or partially because of what um, came after. But I think Watershed gets kind of lumped into the yeah, I, the end of Opeth, and that's I, really, I mentioned really... Watershed too. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, again, I think that that's a great example. I feel like it. Uh, um, it Watershed is is a great album, and I think because of when it came out, and partially just because people hold. I'm trying to think of other metal bands with that story because I feel like Converge people do look beyond Jane Doe. You know, people like think think really highly of Axe to Fall. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that Blackwater Park. Uh, it's obviously a great album, but uh, Opeth has no shortage of, of great albums. I mean, obviously Ghost Reveries is is phenomenal as well. Uh, I actually bought because I think I heard Still Life once back in the day, and then I just could never find it on CD. Uh, I Checked Bulmos today and, and and grabbed that. Nice. And Watershed. I actually did never had Watershed. Uh, oh man. I, bar- I I borrowed it from the the library when I first you know I ripped it on my computer and then just in the process of changing how I listen to music. I, I, just, I remember just like putting on Coil on repeat because I loved that song that much. Uh, but yeah, I, like actually they, for Still Life the uh, the track the more uh, is like probably one of my favorite Opeth songs actually. Like there's a riff in that that is just like I. I think of that as like the Opeth riff in my mind. Um, yeah, just see, but, but see, this is what I mean. It's like I I call it a Love Supreme syndrome because similar to that album, it, like you know, it kind of makes this you know, it kind of makes what is a really solid this like catalog overall, you know, a little less so, just just because of like sort of the way we've treated this one album. Uh, I'm actually I'm actually curious now what the what what see. what the riff from the more sounds like? Oh, interesting! Actually, on Rate Your Music, uh, Still Life is the top album. It's, That's funny. It's, it's three ninety five and Blackwater Park's three ninety four. However, Still Life has just under ten thousand ratings, and Blackwater Park has exactly fourteen thousand five hundred ratings. Yeah, see so that it's, yeah. like they. I think they're both really good. I think I you know I almost wonder whether. Part of the reason Blackwater Park works a lot better is because of like kind of the production from Stephen Wilson. But I- I've never really been one to like be able to just sit down and like you know really hear all the little differences in production for an album. Yeah. So especially I mean, with it, metal, but it sounds great. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not. Um, I don't know, like. <laughs> I don't have that fine an ear. Like I can tell when an Me album s- sounds good. I can tell when it sounds bad, or I can tell when I kind of just don't. You know, it just kind of it sounds fine, I guess. But yeah, I can't tell. Like there are certain pe- certain friends I have who are really like, oh, like this was mixed poorly, or like this need to be whatever. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't. I don't know. Also, a quick note that I, I did not know, uh, and by, by I mean I did not know. I did not know until today. Uh, Stephen Wilson did the chorus for chorus. For uh, bleak, or at least part of it. Oh, uh, I because I, I haven't listened to enough por- Porcupine Tree. Oh yeah, the, the, to, to that is him. Now that I think about it, I never yeah. really, I never realized that. And I, like, I love Porcupine Tree. I have like every Porcupine Tree album. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, they, this is such a great album. Um, I, I really don't think I have a whole lot more to say because I, I think it's just, just so impeccably crafted and performed. Um. You know, I, I would just say, like, don't let this be your only Opeth album, I guess. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, and it's kind of a good problem to have is they just have so many, uh, I mean, yeah, like you said, I, <laughs> I, I, I will I say feel... that I, I, I've, I've never really gotten in, gotten into their albums before still life. Like, you know, um, like Orchid, My Arms, Your Hearse. Like I, I've never really been a big fan of either of those albums. Uh, uh, or, Orchid's a little, Orchid's a little raw. Uh, yeah. I like Morning Rise. I really like My Arms, Your Hearse. <laughs> Um, Still Life, I haven't listened to a ton. Uh, obviously, Blackwater Park, Deliverance Damnation are are, are cool. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I don't I, love. I, the I full stay away stick. from those, honestly. Yeah, like I, I think Deliverance Deliverance is good. It's not my favorite, and Damnation uh, again. It's kind of the what I said earlier is it doesn't have the interplay. Like just having all soft. I don't know. It just didn't. It doesn't do as much for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they really. I mean. Man, they have so many. I, I feel like Still Life, Blackwater Park, and Ghost Reveries just invariably, you ask any given Opeth fan, like, the three of those. It, if they say, even if they I, say Watershed. Like, I, feel, I, I feel see like My Arms, Your Hearse being in there, yeah. too. So but. if we include Watershed, which I think is fair, because it's it's I think it truly is a great album. Yeah, Watershed's like, super underrated. You have, like, five, or I guess if we don't include Watershed, because if we lean into the fact it's underrated... Ghost Reveries, Still Life, Blackwater Park, and My Arms, Your Hearse, I mean, are all reasonable, you know, my, my favorite Opeth album. I mean, so, I think you do, you're onto something. You make a good point with that. As much as I love Love, love Supreme and Blackwater Park, um, I think that that's a good point that people are like, well, I have heard Opeth. I am... <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I have completed my mission. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, I guess that does it for our episode today. Let's, um... You want to talk about albums of the week? I do. All right. What what you got? Uh, so I'm going to continue the <laughs> two grand traditions of Seishira is being generally underinformed about electronic music subgenres and <laughs> not pronouncing foreign, like you know, people with uh, non-American names correctly. Uh, this is an album I discovered just because it's it's a very interesting. Like kind of collage esque style album art, and it just really caught my eye from a, a color perspective. And uh, it's from Morocco, and it, it's it said that it included a lot of those kind of um, the the country's you know natural influences and whatnot. And listening to it, this is an incredibly fun dance album. Uh, it says that it's Moroccan dance. Yeah, it says that it's juke and footwork and influenced okay. by ghetto house so if that means something to you cool it means a little bit to me i thought i didn't like footwork uh like when yeah that, um, be, be because of that that jalin album black oregon yeah which i yeah. i mean i just i didn't i don't know like it, it, it that one maybe was just the hype i need to listen to it again because i think maybe you know i was in a weird place with electronic music but this album it's called vexillology by uh guedra Guedra, and again, I apologize, um, but yeah, it's just it's really playful, super fast-paced dance music. Uh, definitely has a lot of Northern African, Moroccan vibes, some you know, Spanish vibes thrown in there. Which it, know, it, is this make, like? Did this come sense. out this year? Yeah, it came out uh, actually this past Friday. Oh, uh, it was it was one one of the albums I was most looking forward to, and uh, man, it, it delivered. Just I, I was looking through. As I was putting together release day roundup, and, and the cover really caught my eye, and I was like, "Wow, this this is fun as hell!" Like, and I I listened to it a ton over the weekend just because it was in the background, got me hyped. 
you know, got me got me feeling good. Some good Sunday vibes. Um, so nice. Yeah, okay, I, I'm gonna have to listen to this now because uh, what what yeah. was that album that you you had us listen to last year? Um, with the, with the uh, the bird on it, which is it actually, so you know super big. It reminded me of it. I'm glad you brought that up. It reminded me of Nihil- Nihiloxica. Yes, that's the name of the band. It reminded me of that band, except like happy. Like Nihiloxica is, <laughs> is like like you, you know like the the two mat like the the the, the yeah uh, did, the uh, drama and comedy mat yeah like the, that's how these two albums feel like like one is just is more dark and brooding and just intense and the other one is just i'm i'm here to have i'm here for a good time not a long time (laughs) (laughs) that that, that was the vibes i got nice nice Um, i i definitely want to listen to this now um yeah well it's funny uh i also have an electronic album but it is uh very early in the genre's history uh, and I've just been thinking about this all week because whenever I've gone, you know, for a drive, it's been in the car. Um, and I'm just like, this, this has to be the album of the week. And it's a uh, computer world by Kraftwerk. Um, oh, nice. yeah, even though I, I think I've just, I think the last time I was driving, I just put, I, I just kept skipping back to pocket calculator <laughs> <laughs> because it's just such a great little song. It's just like. I, I feel like Kraftwerk doesn't get credit for being fun, I guess. Because, like, I, there's always, like, that, that you know, kind of, like, their image kind of precedes them, in a way. Of, like, this, like, forward-thinking electronic band who were, like, one of the first people to really do it, in a way. And, mm-hmm. like, kind of them as, like, robots and, like, all their stuff exploring, like, themes of technology, etc. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think they... Like a lot of people hear, just like the funness. I don't know. I just I, I listen to Pocket Calculator and I just laugh. I just think it's just a fun song. It's just you know by pressing by pressing down the special key, it plays a little melody. <laughs> you know, I, I have some weirdness down. I didn't know that was by Kraftwerk for the longest time because yeah, you know, like on, on weekends, yeah. my dad will just put on like when I was still living at home, like he would just sit down from the TV and like pull out the YouTube app and just play random songs. <laughs> and one of his favorite songs to play was Pocket Calculator because he knew it like it annoyed my mom so much. She's like, "Can you put anything else on?" This is like she's just it's like the weird. I mean, it is a super weird. Kraftwerk's <laughs> a weird band, dude. I know, I know, but it's just it's it's such a. Uh, I mean, dun, it's, dun, it's dun, fun. Dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I I just I think it's just such a great album. I I I really love Kraftwerk. I uh I was really tempted to buy. There were a couple of biographies on them that I was really tempted to buy, but um I might just hold off for now. But yeah, so that is our episode today. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. So bye bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that, 
uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.